Let's pray together. Father, we pray that tonight uh, you would move, um, that you would take action through your word, use it to draw us closer to each other, uh, but most importantly, use it to draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, for those of you who maybe are new or just joining us again, my name is Ryan, I'm the youth and college pastor, and we're in the book of James, okay? So, if you have a Bible, you may want to turn and or scroll to the book of James. It's also going to be up here, where we're just, and we're literally going half a chapter a week, kind of knocking it out, going through half a chapter a week. Um, Reverend Dr. Bob Egan did a great job last week, and really, and he, he brought it. He brought the Word, uh, and it was awesome. And then I'm just going to kind of finish out chapter 4 for us tonight, and then next week, where do you think we'll go next week? Take a swing. Say what? The next chapter. That's exactly right. Chapter 5. Good job, guys. Good job, guys. Theologians. So we're in chapter 4, and we're going to go through 11, verse 17. And again, it probably will be up on here on the board as well. So I'm going to read a little, and then we'll talk a little, all right? Let's go. James chapter 4, verse 11. Do not speak against one another, brothers. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. So look at the first sentence in here again. Do not speak against one another, brothers. Um, there are some verses in the Bible, right, that, that I know either maybe get kind of boring or are hard to follow and hard to understand. Uh, there are verses that are hard to explain. Okay, look at me. This is not one of those verses, okay? Um, do not speak against one another. Now, here's what that means, and here's what it doesn't mean. That does not mean never say anything negative. Like, you know, if you're commenting in your mind or saying to a friend, you're like, so-and-so is talking and, and needs to be quiet, or so-and-so did something they shouldn't have, and now they're in trouble. You're speaking a fact that happens to be negative about that person. And that's okay. That's part of wisdom. But this phrase in the Bible, I don't know what it says up here. Yeah, speak against up here. In, in mine it says speak against. Yours might say speak evil or slander. Um, this phrase, it means, um, it means it's one word in Greek. The New Testament is in Greek originally. And it means to speak evil, um, to make a criminal. You say things, it's like you say things that hurt the person that you're talking about or talking to. And again, sometimes we just say facts about a person that are negative, that happen to be negative. You know, your shirt is on backwards. That, that is a fact, haha, <laughs> that, that's a fact that might be negative. Now, maybe not in 2019, maybe that's like what they want or whatever. Um, but like, if you say your shirt's on backwards, that's a negative, maybe, fact. It's not, a, it's not a speaking against, but if you say you look ugly, right? That is speaking evil to someone. You see the difference, right? One is a negative fact that's true. The other is speaking against someone, right? You know the difference. You know when you do this. Um, we live in a world, okay? You guys live in a world where both of those things are bad, where even if you're saying something that is true, and you're not meaning it in a bad way, but it's true, if it's negative, you will get attacked for it. They don't see the difference in those things. But James and the Bible know that there is a difference. If someone gets offended because you say something that is factual, that just makes them look negative, but it's a fact, that's not your fault, okay? 
That's not your fault. I'm not saying it's okay to gossip. I'm not saying you need to go around saying everything that pops into your head. But James's point here is that there were people in the church saying evil about each other, speaking against each other, saying hurtful things, or saying true things in a rude way. How you say something is just as important as what you say. I hope you know that. How you say it is just as important as what you say. They were speaking, that's to speak against someone, to speak evil against someone. Don't do that. Do not speak evil against each other. Be slow to speak. And if you need to say something, you know, you've got to say something that someone may not want to hear, but it's factual and true, but it's negative. Say it in a careful way. That's part of being, listen, part of being slow to speak is thinking about how we're going to say something. Right? That's part of being slow to speak. James 1.19, Christians are slow to speak. James 3.13, Christians are gentle in wisdom. We're wise. We say what we need to say, but there's a gentleness, there's a humility about it. So again, if you're taking notes, you may want to scribble down James 1.19 and James 3.13. We are slow to speak. Now look at the second half of that same verse, 4.11. It's where it gets confusing. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. I, I get it. I got it. All right, so here we go. Um, you speak, if you speak against someone, you speak against the law. You become a judge of the law. All right, the law of God, the Bible, uh, what James calls in 2.12, the law of freedom. Right, the gospel, it tells us, it just told us, do not speak evil against each other. Do not speak against each other. But when you do that anyway, when you speak evil against someone anyway, you are now pushing back against the law of God. When you do this anyway, you're now speaking against the law. You are going against the law like the verse says. And when you do that, when you, when you see the law of God that says don't speak evil against other people, and you do it anyway, not only are you against the law, but you see the law, don't speak evil, I just, I just said it like eight times, don't speak against the law. You see it, and you look at it, and you say, that doesn't apply to me, I'm going to do it anyway. You're making a judgment about the law. And that's what it says right there speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but you have become a judge of it. You're looking at the law that says, don't speak evil. You're making a judgment call that says, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not worried about that. I'm going to do it anyway. So now, instead of following the law and being under the law, you're putting yourself above God's law. You're putting yourself in a place where you don't belong and you will only cause pain in your life and the lives of others. Example, I guarantee it, I guarantee that if you and your friends sit in a circle and speak evil about other people, as soon as one of those friends leaves, who do you start speaking evil against? That friend. And as soon as you leave, that circle just continues. We cannot speak evil against each other. So let's walk again. Don't speak evil against one another, brothers. If you speak against a brother, as in if you do it again anyway, or you judge your brother, 
You speak against the law. So now you're against God's law. You've seen His law and you've made a judgment that you're above it now. And that's what he says right there. You are no longer a follower of the law. You are now judge over the law. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? The reason God is the judge is because God made the law. You might have a different judgment, but you haven't made your own law. Isaiah 33, 22, the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. There they both are. The Lord is our king. He will save us. And then verse, you see the second half of verse 12? Is it right here? The one who is able to save and destroy. Since God gave us the law, those who get right with the law, God can save them. And those who do not get right with the law of God, those who incessantly, repeatedly rise above the law and say, I'm not doing that. That doesn't apply to me. God has the power to destroy. Since He made the law, He's the one you have to get right with. The judge. But look at verse 12, the end here. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Here's what this means. Because this happens all the time. Don't judge me. Only God can judge me, which should not make you feel better. Um, don't judge me. All this ridiculousness. You have every right. Okay? You have every right. You are encouraged. Mean, meaning, go for it, buddy. You are encouraged. You are commanded to judge others as long as you do it with the right heart. I don't think we should walk out in traffic, man. Uh, don't, don't judge what I'm about to walk out and do. You're allowed to make a judgment call. Does that make sense? Like, you're allowed to say, I don't think we should steal that money, man. Are, are, are you judging the fact that I'm going to steal money right now? You're allowed to make a judgment call, right? But listen, listen. We have to make judgment calls about things. But when you speak evil against someone... That is an evil judgment that you are making. And you have no right to judge someone like that, especially when you've got to break the law of the ultimate judge to do that. When you judge someone evilly, you go against the ultimate judge. So that's what James is saying. What are you doing? What are you talking about here? Look at verses 13 through 15. Verses 13 through 15. Come now, you who say, tomorrow we'll go and do such and such in this city, and spend a year here, and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. Okay, He's saying, you're going out here doing this and that. You need to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this and that. James is not bashing wise planning here, okay? My budgeters, my type A'ers. Um, this is not a verse that means just go with it, okay? Like in Kenya, when Bob and I went to Kenya a while back, in Kenya, when you drive, there are no rules, okay? You just kind of get, to, you just go for it, right? Yeah, Zevin Lucas can testify. And everybody has got to look at Zevin Lucas. All right. Um, but they are. There, are. there are no rules. You just kind of get in, and you just kind of go for it. But people live their whole lives like that, and they'll say, oh, we're just living on faith. 
James would look at you and say, that's not faith. That's not true faith. We are supposed to plan and be wise about our future. But look at what James is saying. Go to verse 15, Lauren. Look at what James is saying right here. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. They still get to live. They still get to do this or that. But now, they're including the Lord in their plans. Does that make sense? And not just including Him. Look at what it says. If the Lord wills, we will do these things. They're not just including Him. They're letting Him make their plans. So often, and as you get older, you'll see this. So often, we make our plans based on what's convenient or based on money, or based on what we think we need. And none, again, none of those things are wrong, but we do it with no attention to God or His Word. What does God think about this relationship? Well, He's cute, and He's funny, and I just like feel God's blessing here. Do you, though? Do you feel? His, that must be powerful. Do you feel God's blessing? But we haven't... Let me back up. Okay, good. It says, if the Lord wills. So here, here's what this means. The true Christian, how do you know you're a Christian? Here's a place to start. The true Christian goes to the Lord before they make their plans. You go to the Lord first with a humble heart. And listen, here's the thing. It's not about listening for Him to give you an answer all the time. He may not give you a clear answer. That may be part of His plan. But that's not really the point here. The point is, listen, the point is, what is your compass? Is it the Lord or is it what you're looking at? Is it the Lord or is it money? Is it the Lord or is it what's convenient for you? And sometimes those go together. Sometimes the Lord leads you to a place where you make money. Sometimes He takes you down a road that's convenient, but that's the key. Is it if the Lord wills? Then we'll do these things. And again, it's not about listening for a man. You know with Moses and the burning bush? Like, it's not about waiting for your couch to, like, catch on fire but not be consumed, right? And then it's like, it's like you know, go to this college, early childhood education. That's not what's going to happen, right? But the point is, are you waiting? Are you going to the Lord first? That's what, look at what it says. If the Lord wills, then there's the rest of their life. Is that what your life looks like? If the Lord wills, then the rest of your life. And then we get into verse 14. We're going to go back one to verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. This is our life. And it's hard to fathom this at your age. And, and, and even still at my age, I'm only just like peeking over the top of this verse. But listen to Psalm 102.3. For my days pass away like smoke, like smoke going up into the air and then disappearing. First Peter 1, all flesh is like grass and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. We spend our lives, here's what James is saying, he says your life is a vapor. We spend our lives trying to soak as much up as we can. But James says our life according to the Bible is like looking at your breath on a cool morning. Right? You see it and then it's gone. That's what vapor literally is. This is the verse that I thought of when I was reading through this. If you have a Bible, uh, turn or, and it will be up here. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. 
Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. And remember, your days are a vapor. They're quick. That sounds depressing, but in the Bible, it's actually helpful. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. Um, any luck, Lauren? Yes. Okay, here we go, because I didn't mark it. Here we go. So teach us to number our days so that we can have a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. If something is, the, the point of that is if something is numbered, that means it's not forever. Teach us to understand, Lord, that we will not live here forever. According to the psalmist, if we understand that our life is not, look at what it says. Teach us to number our days so that we may have a heart of wisdom. The more you understand that your life is on a limited time, the wiser you will become. If you do it the right way, if the Lord teaches you, it's not this spiral into depression and this like crazy, it's not that at all. But when you learn that your days are numbered, you will then remember that your days matter. Does that make sense? When you understand that your days are numbered, you will understand that your days matter. So that's the point that he's trying to make here. Um, Francis Chan is a guy you have got to check out on YouTube. Can you get the lights, Lauren or Zeb or whomever? Um, he shows this so much better than I do in this quick, like, two-and-a-half-minute video. Um, pay attention. It's fantastic. And think about it. Now, think about what he's saying. When we, Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days so that we can become wise. This is what he means. Go ahead, Lauren. Let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now, imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about that? What about all this stuff? It's, just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can, Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy, and I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth, and it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this, and then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. 
I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now, just enjoy right now, not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb? Isn't that, isn't that so helpful? Isn't that so clear? Um, now think about this too. Francis Chan is talking about Paul's letters there, and this is James. There's kind of this, this back and forth sometimes when you get way up in like the, the Bible nerd circles that James is going against Paul. He's not at all, okay? This is what James is saying. Listen, listen. The psalmist teaches us, just like in the rope analogy, to number our days. Help me understand that, that this little red is nothing compared to the rest of the rope that goes on for eternity. James says life is a vapor. He's, and listen, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not trying to depress you. The reason, but listen, the reason you're depressed for so many of you is because you won't say, if the Lord wills, we will then do this, this, and this. Look at verse 16 and 17, and then we're almost out of here, y'all. 16. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Now, he's talking to the people who won't say, if the Lord wills. They're just planning. They're just going about their day, doing everything they want to do without including the Lord in their plan. Now, here's why this is important. This is what James is saying. You're boasting. Boasting, what's boasting mean? It means to what? Think about it. To brag. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. You're, bra- you're bragging, and this is evil. Now, when are you bragging? If you, so if you don't include the Lord in your plans... You're bragging, and it's evil. Here, here's what he means. Listen, follow this along. If we don't number our days, if we don't depend on God and consider His will in our plans, it will all depend on us. So we only look to ourselves as we make plans. And God allows those plans to work sometimes. But we haven't thought about God when was the last time you thought about God? We haven't thought about God, so who gets the credit for all those plans going well? We do. I earned it. I worked my way up here. Not remembering that it was God who gave you the skills and the upbringing so you could get here. That it was God who allowed you to be born in a time and a country where your goal was possible. That it was God who kept you safe while you pursued this goal and introduced you to the right people at the right place at the right time. God isn't even thought of. It was just you. You see that? You see how God is left out, but He's the one who got you there? James says that is evil. Listen, it's like this. The self-made man, the self-made woman, was made by God a long time ago. Here, verse 17, last one. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is sin. So to the one who knows the right thing to do, but they don't do it, it's sin. Does this not happen to us all the time? Like go out of this building for 11 minutes and you'll see. We know God's the reason we have the life we have, but we're not thankful. We know we shouldn't speak evil against other people, but we do. We know we should number our days and understand that it's just a little red compared to all of eternity. But we spend every day and every problem as if it's the biggest problem ever focusing just on today. We don't want to see the big picture. Now, look at all the ways that we failed. We speak evil. We do what's wrong even though we know it's wrong. 
We don't number our days. We don't say if the Lord wills. In Matthew chapter 29, while Jesus is on the cross, Jesus is hanging on the cross and people said to him, the people who were going by shouted blasphemies at Jesus. They shook their head at him. Save yourself if you're God's son. Come down from the cross. They spoke evil against him. And what did Jesus say in return? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He never spoke evil, even when it was spoken to him. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he went to the cross, he knows it's coming. He knows that suffering is coming. What a temptation to do your own thing and go your own way. He knew that he was about to suffer, but what did he say? Not my will, but your will be done. The ultimate, if the Lord wills, I will do this. And when we give in to temptation all the time, we know the law of God, yet we still break it. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, to dot every I, to cross every T. He was tempted in every way that we were tempted, and he never sinned. He fulfills James chapter 4 in every way that we cannot, and then he traded places with you. So now, every time God looks at James chapter 4 and then looks at you, he just sees that it's all been completed. He doesn't see where you've spoken evil against someone. He doesn't see where you've said, if the Lord wills, I'm going this way instead. He doesn't see those things anymore. He sees what Jesus has done. He sees Jesus' words of kindness, and they get put into your mouth. He sees Jesus saying, Lord, if that's what you want to do, and now His good behavior and obedience become yours. And now, when we give our life to Him, He gives us the ability to do that, to act in obedience to what James 4 says. He took our place, and now He gives us the ability to follow this. Not just, listen, not just to read it, but to follow after it. This is what Jesus can do in your life. He can take your place. He already did that. And then He can, if you trust Him, He gives us the ability, slowly but consistently, to follow after what His Word says. Mm -hmm.